you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. Welcome to your Friday. It's the Friday Gumbo Show, but it's going to be a little bit different, got to tell you. Um, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I did want to recap, and I, I did want to get some calls in. Um, but I received two stories, uh, one early this morning, and then the other a little bit later in the morning, and mm-hmm. they were the same story. One was a like the story being covered, and the other was the story itself. And uh, and and anyway, uh, so so it's it got to happen today because it is it is it is such a pressing story. And let me also say um, that this is what we talk about all the time mm-hmm. when we talk about these the the sexual destruction of our children in whatever manifestation that it exists. Uh, we are talking about this every single day when we talk in one form or the other of what it is to parent your child, like what it is to stand between your child and destruction, your child and this culture. I mean, just however you want to frame that out. Um, I, I am so thoroughly convicted about this. And every time I read something that confirms what we've been talking about, I'm like, okay, you need to know it. You need to know it because mm. so many of our listeners. And, and when I say that, I mean, parents and grandparents alike. So we are talking about transcending the generations. Okay. Um, this protecting your, your, uh, your offspring or your posterity, like this, this is of great import. Yeah. Like we cannot ignore this. You understand what I'm saying? And so, so to know, and we know that we're not crazy guys. We, we know that we're not crazy, but when you've got people who, in no other way agree with us. Mm. They they don't in any other way agree with us. Mm-hmm. But on this issue, they are willing to risk their lives mm. and their livelihoods. Then you know, you know that what we are doing is vital. Yeah. We we cannot be quiet about this. And I we didn't get to get all of the information in I think one of the last calls that we got yesterday, it sounded to me like it was a dad who was saying that his teenage daughter is now identifying maybe as trans bisexual or bisexual or okay okay so one in the letters okay one in the letters uh this is growing and it's growing among families that are professing Christ mm. this is as uh Lisa Lippman who I don't know if she still works for Brown University probably not but Lisa Lippman many years ago we talked about this on this program she had research information that came out that described what we see happening on the transgender front as a social contagion. You remember that? Mm-hmm. That these girls are getting together. Mm-hmm. Now it's girls. It used to be right. boys or men that were confused. Right. But they're getting together in these groups, in mm-hmm. these clusters. And because of peer influence, peer influence they are right. deciding that they are no longer girls. Right. And so one of the ways that I tried to drive this home so that parents would understand is to remind you of what it was like if you are a grandparent or if you're a parent 
might fall into two different categories here. But as a parent, you might remember getting with some of your friends when you were a teenager and a girl hangout, or maybe if you were allowed to do girl sleepovers and things like that, we didn't really do that, you know, but that's okay. But if you were allowed to do that, we were allowed to hang out with our friends, um, getting together and deciding on nail polish color <laughs> or deciding that you wanted to kind of cut bangs. Okay. And so then everybody's deciding that they want to do this or wearing a certain type of jeans or a certain bag. Now everybody's got this kind of backpack. Let's not pretend that we don't remember what it was like to be influenced by our peers. Mm. Right. Like all of a right. sudden we get old and I'm just going to just straight up guys. Okay. All of a sudden we get old and we pretend like the things that we experienced when we were teenagers, like those things just poof, <laughs> they're all gone. So, so no longer does peer influence exist. No, no longer do people do kids get together and decide, Oh, you know, I want that because so-and-so has that. Or man, if I don't get this, I'm going to die. We have now suspended our understanding of reality mm-hmm. to embrace a cultural lie, to embrace an eternally destructive lie. And the lie is that it's not peer influence that we're observing. It's something that is innate in these young people that we've got to nurse or nurture. We've got to help them to realize. And yes. All this stuff. Yeah. What? Like <laughs> how, how, okay. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen. Okay. These are the people. Mm-hmm. These are the people who set themselves on fire because challenge. Right. Right. These are the people who dump ice water on their head because challenge. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how all of a sudden are these people now, these same ones who jump out of moving vehicles to dance for a few seconds. (laughs) How are these people all of a sudden intellectually superior to you? Mm. And, And so now what I'm saying is not given to peer pressure. How we see them every single day in real time and living color being susceptible to peer pressure and giving into that. But when we have these conversations, we are told that we are unloving. We are unaffirming. So we are hateful, right? We are leading. We are single handedly leading to the suicides, to the death, to the loss of all of these children all across the country. But the ones who are willing to mutilate their flesh, the ones who are willing to almost to, to put them on drugs that almost immediately alters who they are almost immediately like within months. Okay. Those who are willing to do that are not, they're not harming them. They are for them. Well today, mm-hmm. as much as I would have loved to recap the week, we have to spend the bulk of the time talking about this whistleblowers piece that is over at the free press because it is, it is, It is one of those things that you know it, but when you have someone from this camp saying, no, this, this is what, this is what we were doing. This is what I saw Mm -hmm. firsthand. This is what I began to develop major reservations um, about. And, and my career was threatened. Okay. This, this kind of content, cannot be ignored. I expect this to make the rounds. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, it should, you should read it. You should share it. Now I will caution you. I'm going to read a good bit of it today. There's, there's some of it that I cannot read to you. It is just so disturbing. And again, I always feel forced to say, 
as disturbing as this is, we have to remember that we are talking. We are talking about this being done to children. Mm. There are some portions Mm. of this story of this piece, this account that as I, as I read it, man, it just made me so angry. It's like a, um, like a sad mad, you know, like, like, like just, just a bitter sadness because there's, there's one, one account here on the part of this whistleblower well, we'll see if, if I don't get to it by just reading the article, I, I will make sure to highlight it for you because I, um, I, I cannot stand the culture that we live in, guys. If I could just tell you that straight up and I, I try to be, you know, I know we're supposed to, you know, but this culture that we live in, this time that we live in where wickedness has increased and is increasing and every day you think that you reach the max of what people are capable of doing. Like you, you think, you know, you read one headline and then you're like, okay, man, this is it. Like, I don't think we can go any further. Like this has got to be it. And then the next day you read other headlines and you're just like, wow, they found a way to top that. Hmm. Like they found a way to do better, which is worse than that. Inventors of. (laughs) Come on. Exactly. Exactly. So this is Bible that we're, that we're dealing with. This is, this is the manifestation of man's evil, which the Bible already told you existed. Mm-hmm. All right. So this piece is, and I know the break's going to grab, so we'll read as much as we can as we get into the break and um, and then pick up on the other side of the break. We may get around to getting some calls, get your take. I'd, I'd love to hear your take on this. Uh, so I'll try to be as efficient as I can. Let me say this. I'm going to read this quickly. Just go back and listen to it again, because somebody's going to be tempted to say, can you slow down when you read it? I just want to get in as many words as possible. OK, so just go back and listen to this. And we'll also in the story, put a link to this piece so that you can find it and have it for yourself because you need to have it. Do All right. We here need we to go. have a disclaimer in place or we're good. Uh, um, I don't think we need a disclaimer now at this point. I will say this, though out of love and respect for our listeners. This is a great question, Will the Great. I, I will say this, just be prepared. We're going to talk about the transgender issue. So you know, because you read and because you listen to programs all across this network, you know what we're talking about. And so if there's any aspect of this conversation, of this national discussion that is unsettling to you and not suitable for your age group, the ones with whom you may be listening right now, then probably suspend listening to this. Listen to it when you're when you're alone. The 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 um, the ugliest of this piece, I'm probably not going to read for a couple reasons. One, it's embarrassing to me, and it's talking about children. It's embarrassing to me to even mention it on the air. That's one reason, and then and then two, um, I I I just I don't know how to clean it up enough to make it presentable for what we do. So, so still be cautious and be, you know, be careful. But uh, I, I think if you know the whole, if you know everything that's involved in the transgender issue, then you know what, what we're likely to talk about today. So, so I've said that and um, I'll leave it up to our listeners and then I'm just going to jump in. This opinion piece is written by a woman named Jamie Reed, Jamie Reed. And again, it's available over at the free press 
we'll put a link in the in on the podcast. If you go back and get the podcast, it'll be there so that you can read it for yourself. Um, the title of it is I thought I was saving trans kids. Now I'm blowing the whistle. I thought I was saving trans kids. Now I'm blowing the whistle. And the piece begins this way. There are more than 100 pediatric uh, gender clinics across the U.S. I worked at one. What's happening to children is morally and medically appalling. Before I get into her piece, let me let me say something about that, the way that that opens. The human rights campaign says that there's 60 pediatric gender clinics in the U.S. Now. We need to understand that the number of clinics and offices that offer hormonal treatment, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that, mm-hmm. or some kind of gender intervention, okay, is over 300. Mm. Okay. Now, why is that important to Mika? Because <laughs> when you see numbers like there's 100 gender clinics in the U.S., or the human rights campaign that will have you believe there's 60, you know, you think, well, that's such a small number. But we're not just talking about those that actually are willing to perform the surgeries or that have a specifically designated clinic that has it as a name. I'm talking about even the offices that will, and I hate to use the word provide because it sounds like a service, um, that will administer these hormones to children, okay? There are over 300 of those, okay? So whether they call themselves gender affirming or they practice that in their clinic, that's the number that you're dealing with. And, and by the way, I mean, this number has skyrocketed. These clinics and those that, that perform these so-called services, I, I say they, man, they popped up like those pop-up furniture stores. I mean, they're just boom, everywhere, boom, every time you look around. All right, so I just wanted to say that because I think if we're looking to be a little bit accurate, I'm not saying that she's not. I'm just saying there are more clinics doing more harm than just the 100 that are identified in that way. All right. So her name is Jamie Reed, and this is what she says. I'm just going to start and and get as much as I can until we get to the break here. I'm a 42-year-old St. Louis native, a queer woman, and politically to the left of Bernie Sanders. (laughs) I didn't think that place existed. (laughs) My worldview has deeply shaped my career. I have spent my professional life providing counseling to vulnerable populations, children in foster care, sexual minorities, the poor. For almost four years, I worked at the Washington University School of Medicine Division of Infectious Diseases with teens and young adults who were HIV positive. Many of them were trans or otherwise gender nonconforming, and I could relate. When we get back, I'll pick up with how she could relate. Erin the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Oh, man. They got to stop playing with Jesus like that. Jesus is really God. Who the one that's setting people free? Jesus. Who the one that's still saving souls? Jesus. Who the one that gave me a new heart? Who the one that took me out the dark? Jesus. They like how you stop smoking weed? Jesus. They like how you got up by that trap? Jesus. They like how you stop having sex? Jesus. If you want a whole new life, call Jesus. I'ma keep speaking on my God. Ain't no Welcome stop. back to Aaron the Addison's Jesus on American Family Radio. Um, normally this is the Friday gumbo show and we just kind of review and everything kind of goes into the pot. Um, but today I, I think that this uh, whistleblower um, really should be talked about across this country. Like mm. I, I, I think that you shouldn't be able to, to tune in to anything and not hear this story uh, being recounted. 
this testimony being given. This is what it is. In fact, uh, the woman's name is Jamie Reed. And um, her piece that is over at the Free Press is, I thought I was saving trans kids. Now I'm blowing the whistle. She describes herself as a 42-year-old St. Louis native, a queer woman, and also uh, to the left of Bernie Sanders, which is really, really interesting. (laughs) And um, she talks about how her work started working with kids who were at risk, those who were gender nonconforming. And then she says that she could relate. I'm going to pick up there. That's kind of where I left off before the break. She writes, through childhood and adolescence, I did a lot of gender questioning myself. Now, listen, I what I am reading here, I am not seeking to normalize. I am just reading to you this woman's words. OK, um, she writes, I am now married to a trans man, which means she's married to a woman. Mm-hmm. OK, I just want people to man. understand. <laughs> yeah, you okay. gotta, yeah, you have to you have to <laughs> so mentally confusing. engage. Okay? Yeah. So she says, I am now married to a trans man. And together we are raising my two biological children from a previous marriage and three foster children we hope to adopt. Mm-hmm. All right. That's not the scope of where I want to go to. <laughs> right. Let me just. Okay. <laughs> right. All that led me to a job in 2018 as a case manager at the Washington University Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital, which had been established a year earlier in 2017. Again, pop-up furniture stores, okay? The center's working assumption was that the earlier you treat kids with gender dysphoria, the more anguish you can prevent later on. This premise was shared by the center's doctors and therapists. Given their expertise, I assumed that abundant evidence backed this consensus. During the four years I worked at the clinic as a case manager, I was responsible for patient intake and oversight, Around a thousand distressed young people came through our doors. The majority of them received hormone prescriptions that can have life altering consequences, including sterility. I left the clinic in November of last year because I could no longer participate in what was happening there. By the time I departed, I was certain that the way the American medical system is treating these patients is the opposite of the promise we make to do no harm. Instead, we are permanently harming the vulnerable patients in Mm. our care. This has been the argument. Like, this has been, okay. (laughs) Today, I'm speaking out. Today, I'm speaking out. I am doing so knowing how toxic the public conversation is around this highly contentious issue and the ways that my testimony might be misused. I am doing so knowing that I am putting myself at serious personal and professional risk. Self-control, going to keep going. Okay, almost everyone in my life advised me to keep my head down, but I cannot in good conscience do so because what is happening to scores of children is far more important than my comfort, and what is happening to them is morally and medically appalling. Soon after my arrival at the Transgender Center, I was struck by the lack of formal protocols for treatment. The center's physician co-directors were essentially the sole authority. At first, the patient population was tipped toward what used to be the traditional, quote-unquote, instance of a child with gender dysphoria, a boy, often quite young, who wanted to present as or who wanted to be a girl. Until 2015 or so, a very small number of these boys comprised the population of pediatric gender dysphoria cases. Then, across the Western world, there begin to be a dramatic increase in a new population, teenage girls, 
many with no previous history of gender distress suddenly declared they were transgender and demanded immediate treatment with testosterone. I certainly saw this at the center. One of my jobs was to do intake for new patients and their families. When I started, there were probably 10 such calls a month. When I left, there were 50, Mm. 50 calls a month. Girls wanting testosterone, girls with gender dysphoria. Just want to make sure we understand here. Okay. About 70% of the new patients were girls. Sometimes, Clusters of girls arrived from the same high school. Mm, yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, wow. Okay. All right. Everybody got it. Because, okay, here we go. This concerned me, but I didn't feel I was in a position to sound some kind of alarm back then. There was a team of about eight of us, and only one other person brought up the kinds of questions I had. Anyone who raised doubts ran the risk of being called a transphobe. The girls who came to us had many comorbidities and everybody's familiar with the comorbidity word now because of COVID, right? So the girls that came to them had many comorbidities, depression, anxiety, ADHD, eating disorders, obesity. Many were diagnosed with autism or had autism like symptoms. Wow. Frequently our patients declared they had disorders that no one believed they had. We had patients who said they had Tourette syndrome, but they didn't. They said they had tick disorders, but they didn't. (laughs) That they had multiple personalities, but they didn't. The doctors privately recognized these false false self-diagnoses as a manifestation of social contagion. (laughs) Let me read that line again Mm -hmm. so that no one misses it. The doctors privately recognized these false self-diagnoses as a manifestation of social contagion. They even acknowledge that suicide has an element of social contagion. Mm. But when I said that the cluster of girls streaming into our service looked as if they were confused and might be suffering from social contagion, the doctor said that gender identity reflected something innate. Now, I'm going to pause. I know. So there is a social contagion that medical professionals are willing to accept and acknowledge, but not when it comes to the gender issue. Right. Do you understand? Do you understand that that becomes that becomes the that's the calf, right? That's the sacred cow that you will not touch in this culture and in the medical community today. All right. Back to her whistleblowing piece to begin transitioning. The girls needed a letter of support from a therapist, usually one we recommended, (laughs) who they had to see only once or twice for the green light. (laughs) To make it more efficient for the therapists, we offered them a template for how to write a letter in support of transition. The gender clinic provided a template for the therapist. In other words, here are your words. Right. Here's the script. Here's the script. Follow this all across the country guys. And you're seeing, you're seeing these things pop up. You are seeing these things in your churches and where we, the people of God are supposed to be running in, rushing in with the truth. We are now being told to carve out spaces. So you've got youth groups that want to be relevant 
and you've got youth groups that are allowing sexually confused kids to just parade about no tension, no pushback, no encouragement, no, no talking to. Why? Because now there is this external pressure that we all accept this around here now. Mm. But now how embarrassing is it? And this, you know, how embarrassing is it to the church to have someone who's to the left of Bernie Sanders <laughs> come right. out and say, this is morally wrong. <laughs> but Man. we in the church are like, you know, our trans brothers and sisters. Like we, uh, we yeah. are validating a lie and someone to the left of Bernie Sanders is coming out and saying, <laughs> this is what we're doing is uh, morally wrong. Or like Dr. Miller said, you'll have some that just refuse to speak out. Because yes. they feel like, man, this could put me in peril for my career. <laughs> there, you know? I would imagine that there are others who feel as this woman feels, mm-hmm. but really value their own personal safety and their livelihood yeah. more than the lives, the futures of these children that we're talking about today. I, I, I would imagine that there are scores more, but I will tell you, it just might be that her whistleblowing peace opens a floodgate of of sorts that you will see more people coming out and saying and i'm going to tell you why mm. because what is going to happen as more detransitioners are telling their stories publicly mm-hmm. as their accounts and testimonies are being known it is actually going to become more self-preserving Mm-hmm. For these people in the medical community to now jettison their affiliation with these clinics. Yeah. So what you're going to see more of is you're going to see more whistleblowers, okay, because they don't want to go down with the ship. Yeah. They're not they're not gonna want to go down with the clinics. And 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 do I believe that the clinics will go down? Absolutely. And why? Because you can't maim children <laughs> and have those children come back. Man, there's, I'm just going to jump to the end. There's, a, there's one story in here. She gives an account. She says, she says that most of the kids that they would see coming in, into the clinic were white kids. And she goes and you know largely increased the female. But this story stands out because this is a black female. And she goes through talking about this, the troubled life that this female, this black female was, was leading or living, 16 years old, okay, um, didn't have a stable place to live, but came into her clinic, came into her clinic, received hormones, testosterone, okay? And then eventually had her breasts removed. Mm. When they followed up on the black 16-year-old female, she said she was no longer going by any male pronouns. She was going back to her female pronouns Mm. and then told them at the clinic she wanted to have her breasts back. Oh, man. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I just don't understand. Um, I don't understand how we can, we know, we know that children do not have the mental capacity to process what they're doing. We know that. And you can take a kid and you can give them a haircut and they can ask to dye their hair. and, And then in a week or so, they will hate it. But we are cutting off healthy body parts from children and they don't they don't understand the permanence of that right so you're not going to get me to um to keep quiet over that or to feel like I'm ugly or hateful when you have a 16 year old 
who says, oh, yeah, I've gone back to using female pronouns and I'm using my girl name now. So can mm. I have my breast back? Oh, man. Guys, man. this is the America that we live in. So I absolutely believe and I absolutely expect that these clinics will begin to shut down. And the reason I know that is because of the evidence that is overwhelming that these children don't know what they're doing to themselves. Mm. And the parents, and I'm going to use that term loosely, are too weak to stand between their kids in the confusion because the culture intimidates them. So what is going to happen now is that the children are going to rise up and stand and say, hey, those who were supposed to protect us didn't. So it looks like we're going to have to do it ourselves. So now we've got to say, who's responsible for this? Hmm. And I'm going to tell you, as you have an increase in lawsuits against these clinics and against the therapists who have a template prepared for them then you know what's going to happen. They're going to think a few times before they recommend a child for hormones, before they recommend a child for, for an, a, a surgery that they are calling a help, that they are calling an aid, that they are calling a therapy. But really, it is a destruction of a body. It is a destruction of a person, not just the body, but the, the mind and the, and the, the yeah. heart, the soul oh, yeah. of the person. Like, this it's is not just, come yeah. on. Yeah. We're not just removing tissues and then thinking, so what do we do with these? Like, this, this is connected to who these people are. And, and, and because we live in a time where we actually think that um, there, is, there is a disconnect between the body and the soul and all, and all of these religious things that we're being taught today in our cultish America, the rise of the cults in America that so many people are a part of, but they don't know it. You're a part of a cult. You've bought into the belief, right? So all of these ideas that, no, it's just skin. <laughs> it's just tissue. All right. Back to the whistleblower. Jamie Reed is her name. The free press is where you can go and read her piece. It is so disturbing. It is so incredibly disturbing. When a female takes testosterone, she writes, the profound and permanent effects of the hormone can be seen in a matter of months. Voices drop, beards sprout, body fat is redistributed. Sexual interest explodes, aggression increases, and mood can be unpredictable. Our patients were told about some side effects, including sterility. But after working at the center, I came to believe that teenagers are simply not capable of fully grasping what it means to make the decision to become infertile while still a minor. Do you guys, you know this. Right. right. Where the adults in the room, y'all all know this because we all experience this like we. We all had thoughts when we were teenagers of like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Well, when I, I want to do this and then I and then like real life, you like. <laughs> but in in the worship of sex in our culture, we pretend not to know all those things get suspended. All of those things get suspended. You know where it should have never been suspended, where reality does not get suspended, it should be in the body of Christ. So so all of the quote unquote, the so-called, as we were talking about yesterday, faithful. And the question is faithful to whom? Right. <laughs> Who believe there's a space that can be carved out for this confusion. My question is like, so where are you now? Mm. 
So where and and where will you be in the future? All right, Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. My business, if you choose to become a new you, do what you do. It's your choice, but just because you view gender as a feeling doesn't mean I do too. This is not meant to offend you. I'm not against you. I'm against an agenda that tells a child the feelings rendered a gender without the scientific evidence ever. If I told you what I believe, and if we trade and debated philosophies and got deep in the science of biology, we would both probably still not agree. And that's why we can still be kind to each other. I wouldn't try to tell you how to be what they said. My kids are mine to lead. God and teach your morals and my beliefs, y'all. So it isn't your job to feed these ideals and try to fill their mind with seeds, bro. I am not fine with these schools trying to teach my kids on the mind of me, no. I'm not trying to be, but if I pulled up to a school and inside to preach, they would stop me in the name of equality when the same equality should apply to me. Welcome back. This is Erin the Addison's on American Family Radio. My sister said to me once, my sister said to me once, Oh, I, I hate when you cry. I hate when you get oh, <laughs> And I'm like, oh, but I don't rehearse it. Like, I don't, I'm sorry. Man. You know, I'm thinking about Look. her now because I, I just think, <laughs> she goes, I understand passion. She goes, oh, but when you cry, I cringe. Like, oh, and, and I go, I understand. But I look, understand. But look, you were talking about in the first segment, you know, just not want to be, sound hateful or whatever it was, like, you know, not worrying about that. Yeah. You know, man, and I was pointing out to some people in the chat, you know, the Bible talks about Lot, just Lot being vexed oh, by what man. he saw and heard around him daily. Like this stuff should be vexing to us as Christians. Yes. Like that's 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 the proper way that we should feel yes. about these things. You know, yes. If we're not vexed, then what what's up with us? Like if, yes. if it does not move us at all, then what, I, what's going on? I, man, I'm so glad you said that because I really think that when we are vexed about these things and when we care passionately about what's going on around us, it shows a care for the souls of men. Yes. If, if you don't care about the souls of men, then your heart is callous. Right. You know, I, I just don't see anywhere in Scripture where we are to function like, well, I found the truth. Right. Like, no, this we're supposed to run into darkness with this truth. When, when you truly have found the truth, you run into the darkness with the truth. You, you don't like hide it and just like, man, I'm glad I got in. Like, I just I don't know the type of Christian who does that. I don't, I don't. And, and I, I don't really find a lot in common with that person. Well, at least I know, at least I, I don't, I don't see an example of that in scripture, you know? So anyway, I just, I say that to say, I apologize. I get emotional. (laughs) I get upset. I get angry. Same kinds of emotion I have if you're not listening. Okay. (laughs) Same thing. Conversations with Will the Great, anybody else, people at our church. This is just how I feel about this issue and other issues that you and me talk about. All right. Um, so so this woman, Jamie Reed, is a whistleblower, 42-year-old woman from Missouri, and um, is altering her career, I'm sure, here now with, with this information that is coming out. Mm. And she's telling the truth. I think there are going to be more people like her who are going to tell the truth. I think they have to. Uh, the pendulum is going to shift mm. or swing. And in order to save their jobs, people who are medically transitioning children, and I think even socially transitioning children, I've said this to you before, and then I'll go back to this. And then we'll see if we can squeeze some calls and get your take on this. Um, whenever you see the culture lurching in real time, like it's not taking generations. I've said this, and I want you to have this in your mind firmly. 
whenever it does not take generations for us to go, whoa, what were we thinking? That tells you that this is really, really bad. Mm. It's really, really egregious, like that, that it's happening in real time, that you've got the, the clear and um, undeniable harm of children happening in real time and being approved of by politicians from on high medical doctors from on low, whatever, however you want to, and everybody else in between, however you want to put it. I'm not, you guys understand the illustration that I'm trying to, maybe you don't. What I'm just saying is everybody is involved, yeah. okay? Parents, teachers, doctors, politicians. And the bottom line is money. That's it's one, money. I mean, it's money and the fear of man. It's money <laughs> and the fear of man. And, and, and anyway, so whenever you see this happening where these kids are testifying of their hurt in real time, then what is going to happen? And guys, I'm going to be watching for it. I, of course, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. I really don't. What is going to happen is that you're going to find more professionals seeking to save their reputations by distancing themselves from what they have done. And the only way they're going to be able to do that is that they are going to have to become a whistleblower of sorts. And in, in, in addition, I think, too, is going to happen in... I think that and I think some backs are going to stiffen because of the courage of yes, this person for to, sure. to be able to do it. Yes, I, think, I agree you with know, you. People that will read this will be like, man. Who have always thought it right. was wrong. Yeah. But now <laughs> and, they, yeah. They, yep, yeah. Yep. I agree with that. I agree with that. So let me do this. Um, I'll give the number, the phone lines. Um, you can call us 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. And while those calls are getting queued up, what I'm going to do is read a little bit more from this piece that is available at the free press. Again, we'll put a link in the, uh, in the podcast so that you can go back and get that in the show notes and you can read it yourself and share it with your friends and with your family. Those you've, uh, you've tried to give a biblical apologetic to, um, this just serves to kind of underscore what you're saying. The biblical apologetic is sufficient by the way, but this right here is just sort of like, Hey, Oh, and by the way, look at what is happening in the world. Uh, Jamie Reed is the woman's name who is sounding the alarm or blowing the whistle. And she talks about how these children, at least in the clinic where she was employed, that these children did not understand the side effects of what they were putting in their bodies. And she includes in here um, several email pieces that uh, that underscore this point. And so she goes, here is an example. I'm I'm back uh, reading her piece here on Friday, May 1st, 2020, a colleague emailed me about a 15-year-old male patient, and this was the email. Oh, dear, I'm concerned that blank, they they redact the patient's name, uh, does not understand what bicalutamide does. Mm. I responded, I don't think that we start anything, honestly, right now. So this patient doesn't understand what this particular drug will do to his body. So Jamie Reed, in her piece, outlines what Bicalutamide does. So bicalutamide is a medication used to treat metastatic prostate cancer. And one of its side effects is that it feminizes the bodies of men who take it, including the appearance of breasts. The center prescribed this cancer drug as a puberty blocker and a feminizing agent for boys. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. As with most cancer drugs, bicalutamide has a long list of side effects, and this patient experienced one of them. 
liver toxicity. Mm. He was sent to another unit of the hospital for evaluation and immediately taken off the drug. Now listen to this. Afterward, his mother sent an electronic message to the transgender center saying that we were lucky that her family was not the type to sue. Now, here's what I, again, I want to go back to you. And I'm skipping over a huge chunk of the side effects here because there's a lot of this that um, that I, I, I think would just be too disturbing, but you can go and you can read it for yourself, okay? Again, I think that there are going to be more parents who sue. I think there are going to be children who sue. And I think they're well within their right to do it because what has happened is that there have been medical procedures, um, medications administered without informed consent, Mm. without informed consent. Those who are being adversely affected by this practice in our country, okay, do not understand what they are doing to themselves. They are not old enough to fully understand the implications, the long-term effects of what they're doing to themselves. And with that, and there's so much more to read from this, but the phone lines are ready to go, and I'm ready to hear from you. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go? All right, let's go to Scott in North Carolina. Hi, Scott. Hey, how you guys doing? Hello. Doing great. So, um, hi. So I've called in before. Um, I'm a teacher, and I was teaching a girl who was trying to transition to be a boy. Well, they were taking some sort of uh, testosterone or something, and I don't know what exactly the, the medical terminology for it is, but um, we all know that men and women are different, and musculature is different, skeletal is different, and all that. Um, the, the taking of all these hormones and other things was doing something to their um, their ribs, where like the mus- like the weight of the extra muscle wasn't staying attached, and they were being hospitalized several times for um, problems with their wow. their their ribs and their the muscles and stuff. Listen, Scott, wow. let me tell you, I'm not exactly sure of what the condition is called that you're describing. I will tell you that in this piece from this whistleblower that I'm referring to today, um, the ad- administering testosterone does some disgusting things to the female body. And and you'll just have to read the piece. She outlines it in the piece. It is so disturbing. I have not read anything like this before. I and I have read the information, other testimonies. I've I've watched videos of other people giving their accounts of what happened to them and you know, but in this, so I will just say what you just described, you know, their their muscles I don't I don't and know exactly what for the skeleton for the ribs to hold up. Like it's <sighs> That that is <laughs> it's, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's wicked. It is. That's it's 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 wicked. It's wicked. Um, I will tell you though that 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 there are other things in addition to that that's happening to girls in particular who are being um, prescribed testosterone, and you can read it in this article. And everyone listening, you should. All right, Will the Great. Where do we go next? All right, let's go to Jenny in Tennessee. Hi, Jenny. Hi there. I just want to say um, I love you guys. You guys are the best. God bless you. I'm telling you, thank God. Thank God we have people on the air that are telling the truth. Hmm. And one thing that is real important, and Will said it right when he said that this was 
for money that they're doing these things, but there's a wicked element behind this. That's mm-hmm. right. This is this is part of how Satan is trying to steal souls mm-hmm. and, and throw people into hell. Yes. yes. The troubles, where are they? Why aren't they standing up? And we're supposed to be fighting a good fight. Amen. There's so many people that are going to stand before God when he comes. And I'm like, where where are these people that are supposed to be standing up for what's right? Mm. Oh, Jenny, you listen, you are spot on. Uh, we cannot, we who have the truth, we who know the Lord Jesus Christ, we cannot ignore the spiritual component of what is happening here, mm. that this is a this is a wickedness that is the enemy's statement. It is a um, it is a new but not new iteration of Satan's rebellion against God. What God has said, what God has designed, Satan says, no, no. And and then his his redesign, if you will. But to the point that you're making about the souls of men, this type of identity confusion. Do you understand? Like this is the type of confusion that is, is, it's not like, okay, so once I did these things and now I no longer do these things because I am a follower of Christ. What the enemy has done is he has said, no, 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 this is not what you're doing. This is who you are. Mm. This, this is who you are. And you can no more detach who you are. You know what I'm saying? Then you can just like, poof, just no, this is who you are. And so now we have our kids who are struggling with this and we have irresponsible parents who believe that they love their kids who are affirming this. And we have reckless churches that have departed from truth that are also affirming this. All right. Well, the great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Paul in Louisiana. Hi, Paul. Hey, brother Miki, uh, sister. I'm, I'm so confused right now. Miki and Will. <laughs> God bless you, brother. Uh, God bless you. Look, uh, I love a good bowl of gumbo. I want to tell you right now, you brought some some really heavy uh, stuff to the table today that we got to ponder, think about. And oh man, I got I got one of those bones. It just hurts. Hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You've eaten gumbo, homemade. Yeah, yeah I do know. <laughs> I do. Bone, know. This, <laughs> let's be bringing it back to what the topic is. Uh, it's going to hurt parents. Stand up. Mm. It's going to hurt politicians. You've got a war on your hands and you've got an enemy that's fighting you in all directions. Mm-hmm. Stand up. Amen. No ground can be lost here. There's ground already lost. Yeah. There are lawyers that are going to come like we see on the billboards if you've been hit, accident. No, no, no. They're going to be coming in an onslaught. That's mm-hmm. too many days too late. Mm. Come this on. for us right now. This war is for us who know better. Right now, we got to stand up. We've got to fight anywhere we can see. Squeezing that spot is time to take the grasp of Satan that has been put around all of our loved ones. Mm. This domestic enemy has got to. We got to pull those fingers that, that grip away. Man, Paul, God bless you. I, I, you know, you just, you just. Man, it's it is um it's a little bit jolting to think about. But you know, you just called to my mind how you do have these billboards that are all across the country, you know, have you been injured by this, have you, you know, asbestos comes to mind. Um, and there are all these numbers 
right, mm. for the for the massive numbers of people who have been injured in this way to call and now they can be represented. Right. I think I think you're on to something. I do believe that this wickedness and, and because it's driven by the love of money, it's going to have to be halted by the use of money. If, if, if that makes sense, like money will be the key that is probably going to stop and lock this door. Mm. Wow. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see until Monday. Lord willing. God bless. 